Welcome to Vanguard Radio. Uh, with me today, uh, right now, we'll have other guests, hopefully, uh, on the call. We've got uh, James Hawthorne from uh, uh, Great Britain, and uh, uh, we're just talking about a lot of things. Uh, there's no script on this broadcast. We're white nationalists. We're talking about things that are of interest to us, and uh, you're welcome to call. We're taking the only Skype calls at the moment, and my handle, uh, and you can find this on the forum, uh, is uh, Jeff Beck Midwest, one word, Jeff, and it's spelled J-E-O-F-F, Jeff Beck, B, Beck, Midwest, one word. And uh, it'd be nice if you could send a chat message first uh, if you wanted to uh, 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 let me know so I could work the system a little bit better than just being called out of blind. Um, anyway, um, what I was talking about James uh, with James was um, the Omira, uh, <coughs> uh, Omira, Omira essays we had on VNN blog. It's uh, govnn.com, and uh, they talked about a lot of things. And, you know, one of the things that's kind of interesting about white nationalism is, is to some degree, these these subjects of economics uh in particular really take a back back seat to the question of race and what i mean is that once we secure our race these things like economics they can work themselves out we can i mean we can uh this is what i was getting from one of his article we we can we can think about economics in a consensual sort of way and um uh you know do we want a national economy do we want some sort of socialist type economy uh, and i'm referring to a national socialist type of economy or do we want sort of some some sort of libertarian model you know and i think as i was reading that you know it really depends upon as white people where we are and you know certain countries let's just take germany for instance i i don't think uh the Germans, if they were once again to secure their their territory and uh, and get the uh, aliens out, I don't think they would be very enthusiastic about a, a full bore free trade type society. Uh, I think a lot of them generally are you know uh, uh, don't particularly aren't exactly fond of that type of setup. Uh, certainly, I think though uh, for a lot of Americans, uh, white nationalist Americans, I couldn't see us having a very highly regulated uh central state uh if we were to gain our uh, our independence again as whites and uh you know i i all you know we, I, I would certainly think it would be a much more nationalistic economy than we have now but you know these type of things uh you know really take a back seat to preserving the race these economic ideas and we can debate uh we can debate amongst ourselves uh openly in a consensual fashion, uh, whites living within their own political units, what type of economics we want. We don't have to stumble on this. Uh, it can mean different things to different areas. But, you know, the primary thing is the preservation of our race and the improvement of our kind, human quality. We want human quality back. Mm -hmm. We want, we, it doesn't, you know, we want, it's not just more whiz bangs we don't need more bells and whistles we we need the promotion of human quality we need better happier people and in terms of economics we can go about that in a lot of different ways and uh so uh you know i uh, i agree jeff and uh, again thanks for inviting me on mm -hmm. to the uh free talk live program here on your labor day weekend it's great to be on you well, thank you james I uh, I just want to agree with you there, but the main point, as you said, I mean, the, the economic arm, the the white nationalist economic argu argument is a moot point until we uh, save the white race. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's our undertaking is is an is awesome to say the least. Mm -hmm. Not not only to make sure the white race survives, but also to make sure that white Western civilization survives. Survives. It's under immense attack right now. Yeah, attack. That, and that's actually a bit of an understatement, isn't it? I mean, it's mm -hmm. it's being, uh, it's on the road to genocide. Mm -hmm. I mean, we we're witnessing genocide in action, a slow motion genocide of our of yeah. our kind. We are. And uh, uh, it, 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 
it's so nefarious too, uh, because it's so it's not easily detectable. You no, know, I, your, your normal uh, uh, Joe Sixpack and Sally Suckerman um, really hasn't got a clue what's going on, and that's the great thing about the people uh, cry these distributions of newspapers that, uh, that you lads are doing in the United States. Mm-hmm. It, that is one of the major, major efforts that can be done mm-hmm. is, to, is to drop a newspaper, a white nationalist newspaper on someone's front lawn or porch or whatever it's called in the United States uh, but with, with website information. So as when they pick up that newspaper and, and they start to read it and they, and they see these links are, are for like, say, VNN, etc. That drives them to the internet. That drives them to start learning. That drives them to to to, to educate themselves on what the heck's going on here. Well, did you happen to hear um, Mr. Alex Linder's uh, what would you call this uh, appearance? Yeah, um, I listened to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I made a post on on, on the front blog. Mm-hmm. Uh, I heard Alex. I said I heard Alex's uh, interview with Knit and Wit. And knit and wit. That's right, nitwits. Because you were petting nitwits. Boy, you English have a way with words. And uh, uh, but anyway, uh, uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, and you know, uh, that was all a uh, side effect, uh, uh, a consequence of uh, the Aryan alternative. I, I guess one of them ended up in somebody's hands at that radio station. They said, uh-huh. "Get this guy on." Yeah. What's so What's so funny about it is is that. Newspaper, the Aryan Alternative, hasn't been distributed for months, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, unless somebody had some in, in their house and just uh, got rid of them a few, you know, days ago or something uh, in their basement. But, uh, but these, as I said before, I mean, people cry. I've read on the forum. These people cry. This effort is wasteless. As people pick it up and throw it in the trash. That's not true. I agree. The, the people who were confronted by the uh, Jewish media. Hacks, maybe they're the ones. But even them, they've read some of that newspaper. That's the reason why they're so shocked, and they had to contact the uh, the newspaper, uh, the uh, news, the Jews media, TV, or, or the newspapers. You know, the nice thing about it is, um, uh, you know, on VNN, we 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 like uh, we like to consider ourselves to be more than couch potatoes. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know we like to consider ourselves the participants, and we want participants on VNN uh, to be active, uh, and you know that can take you know myriad of forms. But uh, one of the things that uh, one of the ways, one of the avenues that a person can have, and still have some sort of anonymity even, yeah. uh, is to is to start distributing those papers, yeah. and um, uh, that's. And a lot of people do that, and a lot of people really look forward to having those papers uh, put out. Uh, I got to tell you, I think it would take a lot of guts to distribute paper, distribute that paper in California, considering the state it's in right now. I know. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's. I was reading about California. Yeah. I mean, what? I mean, all the the Mexicans now are voting for obviously Mexican politicians. Mm-hmm. And I read something disturbing that 54% of white Californians voted for this guy Villagosa to become yeah. mayor. 54% of white people voted for him. I, I got to tell you, James. Uh, you know, I I studied history in college, among other things, and uh, college level history. And and uh, I read a lot about the migration of our people. And when I say our people, I literally mean our people because. Mm-hmm. A lot of that migration took place uh, from the British Isles, and what they did is they they came into the country, settled in the East Coast, and then came through what's called the Cumberland Gap. Yeah. And and that basically then once they got through the Cumberland Gap, they got into the into Kentucky, and uh, around around 1810, 1830, 1820, they started populating Kentucky, and then they you know ended up these these would be the well known people like Daniel Boone. Uh uh they ended up populating uh, you know, Missouri, uh and um you know, Illinois, uh these places like this, uh, the Midwest. 
And, of course, they went in the south, too, but they didn't go through the Cumberland Gap necessarily. But uh, And then what they ended up doing uh, about after the Civil War, 1870s, they, a lot of the same bloodline, uh, and, of course, there were Germans in there, too, and other, and other European folk, uh, Dutch, uh, they started going to California. Mm-hmm. And they built themselves a paradise out there, James. And part of my own family, also the own the, the Becks, uh, part of them stayed in the Midwest, and I, I'm I'm heir to that branch of the family. Uh, but part of the family went out to California, and a lot of them went out there around the 1890s, uh, 1900s, 1910, and settled out there. And I have read uh, uh, books about this time, and they they made themselves a garden in the desert out there. And and they talk about they talk about the Jews and what they've done in Israel. That's nothing compared to what our ancestors did, yeah. and, and literally our blood uh, did out there in California. It was a paradise, and uh, and you know it was that way for a long time. And it was even that way as late as the 1970s uh, when I visited there as a young man. I mean it it was it was very nice, uh, and you know, it was called the Golden State. And uh, that was the nickname, the Golden State. And uh, boy, uh, the climate was perfect year-round in some places. And uh, and then oh. and, and, and and then in the mountains, you you have uh, you know the pine forests of mm-hmm. the uh, Sierra Madres. Uh, just just beautiful. Uh, you know, practically you have glaciers in some of those places too. Mm-hmm. Mountain lakes. Uh, to just just to imagine surrendering that. That real estate to the worst scum in the whole world, James. Yeah, yeah. The Golden State now is becoming the Brown State, and uh, just like our second major city in the United Kingdom, Birmingham, uh, which is slowly falling under the Muslim, uh-huh. uh, Asian, uh, Pakistani, and Indian influence. These people elect their own people. If white people think either in California or Birmingham, England, that these people are going to be, be benevolent to us when, oh. they, when they are in, in, in total power, in total political control of our, of our former white areas. If white people think that they're going to be benevolent to us, well, get ready because they won't be. They're going to drive us out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I see this happening in California right now. Well, white people are fleeing in, in the hundreds, and that'll probably be thousands. It's probably thousands now, actually. And Birmingham, England's the same. You know, um, in this Goy Fire Thirty Seven, uh, there was uh, some material there I wasn't able to talk about uh, in that. But um, what's going on right now, and and now that we've been, you know forcefully, forcibly uh, wedded to the, this scum from south of the border, uh, their problems in their country are now ours. And mm-hmm. and what I didn't get to explain about that is, you know, now we have this, uh, I'm not even sure uh, diaspora is the right term, but we've got, did you fall off, James? No, I'm still here. Okay. Uh, well, we have this, we have this, uh, uh, Mexican diaspora uh, living in this country, and you know they're now influencing the politics back in Mexico, and so you can get yourself you could have a situation here in the in the very short region where uh, Mexico is an unstable country, and it has been for a very long time, and the only source of stability they have there is when the country is run in in a dictatorial fashion. And uh, and when the dictators are weak, then there's a revolution. And uh, so now you have Mexico uh, tipping into civil war right now. And it may not go all the way. They may be pulled back. Uh, but uh, uh, so you, you, you're going to have a situation where the people taking sides in the civil war, millions of them are going to be on, on our side of the border. Yeah. And so you're going to have a border like Afghanistan and Pakistan right now where, you know, you have drugs and arms and weapons and money going back and forth to fuel uh, the insanity inside of Mexico. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what, what, are you, what would you do if you were, uh, if you were a Mexican, uh, Mexican military? You, you might actually start attacking uh, over the border. Yeah. 
Well, why not? I mean, these people are out to get your throat. You're going to follow them over. You're going to, you, who knows? You may even bomb Los Angeles. I mean, who knows? I mean, uh, you know, if that's where the drugs and the money and the, and the arms are coming from, you're going to take them out. Yeah. I mean, that's why, I mean, I, I feel at the moment, I mean, even though the, the, the Internet could be in the end our, our salvation, the fact at the moment we have a paper curtain, which uh, we're not reaching our, enough of our people yeah, in, a, I know. In, a, in a fast enough time. So this is why these newspapers are so vital. If we can, we need to increase these distributions because then it gets on the person's front porch, and then they can pick up. And, and then if they are interested, uh, well, as time goes on, more and more will be interested because it's going to affect them personally. At least we, at least we give them a contact, a web address, a contact to come onto the web and and to read on and to find out information. That's why the vital, the largest um, instrument in the growth of the British National Party right now is the newspaper, the Voice of Freedom. Ah, that's the one that's bringing the people in. Is that newspaper? Because what they're doing in, in England uh, is they're picking their areas where they're going to stand in, in an, a local election. They go around and they sell the voice of freedom door to door. You know, uh, I, I, I firmly believe what you're saying. And, you know, the double-edged sword about VNN and more broadly the Internet is that I believe the people that will listen to this broadcast tonight uh, live and then later on in archives are people that are already committed. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've, they've already kind of found their way to our positions, and 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 they've tuned in. So I assume that everyone listening tonight is already one of the converted. Yeah. And and that's why, again, your point about the newspapers is because they they break through, uh, and they break through. You know, and they, yep. and, they and they and they see something like. Um, you know, they see a headline, uh, you know, and and they see something like this, and they're holding it in their hand, and uh, I, I think there's a connection there. I think there's a very real connection that goes on in the brain. The, the headline on a newspaper is vital. Um, obviously, a tabloid paper or any newspaper, any editor will tell you that the he- that the headline is what catches the person to read the uh, to read the newspaper, and the one that was put out recently over there. Invasion. That was just. Uh, that was a masterstroke. Wasn't that? A, wasn't that a great one? Great you're, you're referring yeah. to. Uh, are you referring to the Aaron Alternative Three? They had the tank on the cover. Uh, that one was good. Savages in the streets. That was. Great. Yeah. 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 The new one. The new. The new. Uh, the Aaron Alternative had three runs, or maybe a fourth run, but uh, Glenn Miller has. Uh, the white patriot leader, uh-huh. and and I and I, I've actually forgotten what's on the cover of that. I haven't had enough time to really uh, take part in that effort, um, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, that's doing very well. And uh, there's always a lot of uh, I don't know what's on the cover of that, but there's a second for uh, for you activists out there. There's a second uh, er, uh, white patriot leader uh, coming up, and uh, so uh, you know. Uh, because by doing these distributions, you're reaching people that have never held or even probably knew that there is a white resistance going on to these invasions in our lands. That's, hey, the, so fir- that's the first step in, in any organized resistance is knowing there's a problem. Now, something else uh, that I think is a good first step, and this is something Alex really got behind, and I'm I'm supporting him as well and uh, in this because I think it's a great idea, uh, and that's these local blogs, yep. and and I think they can they can get uh, a, a quite a lot of uh, publicity. They can draw a lot of pl- publicity for to themselves because if the person is aggressive enough and uh, and embarrasses the city officials in particular, mm-hmm. and as well as the um, the press establishment, I, I think quite a following can can come out of that. Uh, and uh, and and that's already been demonstrated uh, with uh, Mr. H. Millard out in California. Uh, yeah. He's uh, he's he's caused quite a uh, an uproar where he's from, and uh, and Alex is doing that now in Kirksville, 
And we have a, a section on the blog now for local white nationalist blogs. And I'll even go further. Uh, if you, if someone out there is listening and 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 can demonstrate they have the ability to to blog uh, and to and to pursue it, uh, I'll set them up with their own blog and I'll maintain the infrastructure. You just do the work. And uh, and so there there's the deal, folks. Uh, we'll, we'll pay what well, you know within reason, but we'll pay for the infrastructure. We'll pay for the hosting. We just want to get you up and blogging, but of course you have to do your part. You have to to, to, to do your job and and report about your local community, and and, and you know and follow through. Now, uh, there's one person on the forum that I would really like to extend this offer to, and that's uh, uh, Bud White. And if you if you've been following Mr. White's posts on the forum, he's done a very good job of talking about Lakewood, New Jersey. And Lakewood, New Jersey, is Kike Central. Uh, it's ground zero for Kikedom in this country, uh, and uh, the Jews there have taken over everything, from what I can gather. And the place is just uh, uh, infested with Hasidics, and uh, uh, and you know you can just imagine you know what that's like in that area. Anyway, he does a lot of reporting about this. Uh, the 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 Hasids beat up blacks and and. Uh, and take on the police and 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 do all kinds of things in that area. So uh, there's a lot of things happening. He's done a good job, and uh, I, I think he, you know, he, I think he needs to have his own blog, and we can certainly help him with that. And uh, I, I mentioned on a previous free talk live with Alex that these blogs are really vital too, to run parallel to that local rag that we all have in all our cities and all our towns, and, and you know. These these little rags. If if a savage Negro beast rapes a, a, a white woman, it's never never portrayed in the press for an insidious racial attack against a white woman. That's the, that's a good reason to have a blog, and then you can parallel that news story by putting out the facts. So yes. Yes. It, yes. It was a nigger who who raped this woman. And stuff like that. Over here, it would be Asians, it would be uh, the, the Pakis or, or, or the Indians doing it, for the most part. Let me see. I may, I may have a... I've got a few messages here. Uh, see a few chat messages here. Okay. Turns out it was nothing. Anyway, uh, uh, you know, I can't imagine uh, what it must be like i mean you know i can understand a certain reason uh why americans might be the way they are uh you know in terms of kind of being unaware about these problems with the foreigners uh and and what what they mean by this cuz i you know i think americans for the past generations have had a lot of land they've had a lot of wealth uh, and they've been able, you know, to expand. Uh, and you know, when people are, are fat and healthy and well fed, you know, they don't they don't feel threatened. Mm -hmm. But you know, what's odd about Europe to me, and and again, I really only have an understanding, of, you know, a decent understanding of Great Britain. Uh, but what's odd about Europe is is that there ought to be some sort of idea within European consciousness that. Hey, this is this is our this is our soil. I mean, you know, in America we took this place and uh, and we conquered it, and we we you know removed the people that were here before us, uh, even though they weren't really here in very large numbers, uh, and you know they didn't they were they were basically backward ha savages, and I have no regrets about that. But uh, you know, in Europe, this is this is you know England. That's English, right? You know, is, this is you know if you're from some part of Germany, you know, you, you know I'm a Saxon. You know what I mean? I, you know I'm a Dane. You know, uh, you know, uh, you know I'm from Mecklenburg. I mean, this is where my blood is. This is my family. And uh, you know, and and you know to have to be to be so taken in with this multicultural propaganda when 
you know, y- y- your blood is there for yeah. generation upon generation. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Sometimes it's easier to look at other people and say, you know, why, why, why are you letting this happen? You know, but the same thing could be flipped, you know, to an American like myself. Why are you letting this happen? Well, I mean, I'm trying all my best. I'm trying as hard as I can to stop it. But, you know, I, I don't know. Sometimes uh, I don't know. Well, that's what we you know. The, uh, that's the main thing about the means of communication have been taken over by the Jew. Uh, yeah. The means of communication, television and media have been taken over by this parasitic race. And that's what people get when they turn on, on their televisions and turn on their radios. For the most part, they get the party line. They get the Jewish party line. Uh, that immigration is wonderful. It's diversity. Uh, uh, a, a black man in a kilt is now a Scotsman. Uh, and I'm afraid yeah. uh, a black man in a kilt is not a Scotsman. He's just a black man in a kilt. Yeah. Uh, Scotsman for the uh, and Englishman, as is uh, true Americans, and I use that word true Americans, i.e. the people that built your great country, yeah. white people. You know. Um, but the powers that be in control of our media, the Jews, and their lackey politicians like Tony Blair and George Bush and company. They tout that party line that uh, an immigrant from Pakistan and India is British, yeah. or a Mexican from Mexico is an American, and, and they hyphenate it over there, don't they? Uh, he's now a Mexican American. Yeah. He's an Afro. He's an African American. You know? Yeah. And over here, I mean, the underlying theme and, and slowly awakening process is happening thanks to the the nationalist parties over here. Which are which do articulate uh, Western white culture as the saving foundation yeah. of, of these lands, and people are slowly grasping hold of that. Let's um, over here. let's let's talk a little bit about some political uh, things in, in the UK for our listeners here. And one of the things I'd like to discuss, there's two things I'd like to discuss, and I'd like your take on it, and and I'm going to try to defer, uh, I'm going to try not not to insert my opinion into this, because I'm not, I'm an outsider. But one of them is I would like to know uh, your take on the Simon Shepard thing, and if you know anything more about it. Uh, let me explain first to the, the users who Simon Shepard is if they don't know. And then the second thing, I, I, want, I want to know about your opinion on the BNP and the changes that's going on in the in the BNP party. Now, uh, first of all, for the listeners, Simon Shepard is the uh, owner of Heretical Press. He tends to write a lot about um, uh, psychological matters. Uh, he's, I guess, I, I think you would accept the term white nationalist. He's very open about his criticisms of Jews. Uh, and and what they've done in Britain, uh, and uh, uh, he has been arrested. This is the second time he's been arrested that I know of yeah. uh, for his his for expressing political speech. Now remember, here in the United States, we don't uh, at least uh, we believe we don't arrest people here for political speech, and so Mr. Shepard has been arrested for expressing his political views about. Uh, race and immigration, uh, and right now he's he's uh, facing ten charges. As is Luke O'Farrell, a fine writer, also. Uh, and uh, so, do you know anything more about um, Mr. Shepard? The latest update I've got is uh, Simon and Luke appeared in New Yorkshire Magistrate Court on the first of September, and the case has been adjourned for one week. They're due to be at to appear in court again this Friday on the 8th of September and that's all I know so far hmm. Yeah. so it's all bogged down in probably procedural um, stuff at the magistrate's court as is usual now in a, uh, uh, in a in an email that I sent to him he responded he thought the state's case was weak mm-hmm. and uh, uh, and so uh, you know he, he's he's you know, I, I think Simon uh, Shepard, from what I can see, has the balls to stand up to these people. And if he gets thrown into the pokey for a year, uh, I think he can take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, 
I think he's just the sort of man, uh, and he is a man, folks. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, look, he's not he's not doing anything. Uh, uh, he's not going out and waving a gun in somebody's face. He he is standing up uh, straight up and speaking uh, uh, forth uprightly. He, he's he, and and he he's exercising his uh, rights as a free man. And uh, this is this is not some sort of strident machoism. Uh, he's he's saying he's saying anything that would be totally legal in the United States. Absolutely. He's up in court and could possibly face many years in jail, actually, if he found guilty um, under this insidious race relations act. I would like to also tell us uh, tell the listeners tonight that if they don't have a concept of this. What happens in Great Britain is very, very important to us because the the mechanics of our government are in fact very similar to theirs, uh, even though they have this parliamentary system and we have this other system of representation and on. But the actual legal basis of it is very similar. It's called the common law, and and we have actually an inheritance from this that is in our law. And this is very foreboding. Uh, and, you know, aside from the fact that these folks are, in many cases, our own, you know, blood, uh, we're descended from them, and we share bloodlines with them. They're our race. Uh, we, even, you know, even if, you know, if, if you're not, your family's not from the British Isles and you're from Italy or something or Greece, uh, you're still under the same sort of legal framework as they are in this country. And you've got to be really concerned about this when somebody like Simon Shepard goes under like this. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's very meaningful. And, and, uh, and just to interrupt you there, Jeff, sorry. But, yeah, go ahead. Uh, since 9-11, the race relations law over here has been tightened up. Yeah. And uh, apart from the mad cleric Abu Hamza, who was, uh, he was the, he's the only Asian, or the only non-white, as far as I understand, who's been uh, charged and convicted under the 1977 Race Relations Act. The only one. And, and the reason why was September 11th. Well, yeah, and he's so flamboyant, too. Mm, yeah. I mean, he's such a public figure, and, uh, and that's the only reason why, I mean, I, I think... It's not. I don't. I don't think it's anything that he's really done. It's just that he's such a. Pu I, I know this Hamza fellow, mm -hmm. and uh, he's such a public figure there. And you know, I. I think you know he. He really. You know, if he was just your average sort of jihadi running around the UK, they would never have done anything. Exactly. Uh, but you know, because he's uh, so outspoken and he likes to get in front of the cameras and ham it up, and uh, you know these type of things. You know, he made himself an easy target for the system, but. If he would have just remained low and and uh, plotted his uh, genocide campaign for Britain, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they wouldn't have done anything to him. It, would, it exactly. just would have been diversity as nor as usual. Everybody, and I mean everybody, who's been convicted under the Race Relations Act of being white nationalists. You know, these people, these Christian identity folks, and I guess it's not all Christian identity. Some of them are creators. Some of them are just people who who follow you know Judaica. I mean, what I mean by follow Judaica, I mean, or, or study it, uh, I think they have a real point about this term Noahide law. And uh, Noahide uh, is, uh, I, I assume it comes from the Talmud, and what it talks about is uh, setting up codes for the Goyim to mm -hmm. live under them. Yep. And uh, and I look at all these civil rights laws, all these race relations. We have our own version over here, uh, James, of course, of your Race Relation Act. Uh, it's not quite as onerous as yours is now, but uh, I, I, I really see them all as something that have been promulgated by Jews uh, to, uh, to the detriment of the white goyim, mainly at this time anyway, uh, and... and they're really they're really a punishment. They're a form of a collective collective punishment and regulation against us all. It's like mm -hmm. being herded into a cattle pen. Exactly. And uh and you know, this is um serious. Now, let's transition a little bit now to the, the question of um 
of the, the BNP. Now, one of the side effects of the original arrest back in the year 2000, if I remember correctly, he was handing, he was, uh, Mr. Simon Shepard was a uh, member of the BNP at that time. And he was handing out leaflets. Now, I have not read this leaflet, uh, but uh, basically, uh, you know, it was a leaflet talking about uh, Jews and minorities from what I can gather. And, you know, knowing what Simon has written before, I can imagine it was very Mm fact-based and there were no lies in it. Uh, And there's never been any allegation that anything written in that flyer was a lie. Anyway, uh, he was arrested for handing out leaflets, and uh, he was uh, brought up on charges and so forth and found guilty. But the curious thing about it was that the BNP, rather than coming, this is in the year 2000, rather than coming to his assistance, expelled him from the party. Mm -hmm. And can you tell us a little bit about this? Or do you know anything about it? I don't know enough a lot. I can vaguely okay. think what Simon did. Maybe I, I could be totally wrong on this, but maybe he he did his own uh, uh, leaflet and had the BMP address on it for, okay. his lo- for his location. Maybe he didn't run it by the uh, the publicity department. I don't know. If he did that, then then he was wrong to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, for for the most part. The BMP don't have any uh, leaflets about the Jewish question. Okay, now a lot of a lot of Americans, I think, you know, uh, would reactively say, "What the hell is going on here?" And uh, and there's a lot there's a lot of I, I, look. I, I'm kind of you know this is this is kind of a charged uh, question to you, uh, but you know a lot of Americans right now on VNN anyway, a lot of white nationalists uh, are saying, "Hey, look." It looks like the BNP is uh, is going in the wrong direction, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that there's been comments about uh, from a, I believe a Mr. Barnes talking about you know the need to safeguard Israel, and mm-hmm. uh, and then and then there's been other comments uh, about uh, the BNP ad- admitting you know homosexuals into their organization and, and you know other type of degenerates uh, into their organization and. And you know uh, the the defenders will say, "Hey, look, you know we we've got a good message, and you know we need to broaden our base." Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, the detractors. You know, we're on VNN. We're a pretty. Uh, I think we're pretty ideologically correct. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I yeah. can use that term. And uh, you know, I, I think most people on VNN, Americans, you know. Um, I, I'm kind of hesitant, to some degree, to, you know, to get on and start throwing bombs at you know other white nationalists in other countries. But we would look at this and say, what the hell is all this stuff about? So how do you, how do you react to, the, to these uh, these circumstances? Oh, there's been a uh, deliberate um, how can I phrase this? There's been a, a deliberate attempt to utterly downplay the Jewish question with regard to the party. Okay. Um, the from the higher up. And in fact, Nick Griffin has stated this: that people in Great Britain and Europe see the biggest threat to them, your normal uh, Joe, you know, okay. the normal people that the BNP are hoping to attract are the people who've been left by the so-called uh, former Socialist Labour Party and the white working people. They've been abandoned by the Labour Party now, mm-hmm. as Tony Blair turned this once socialist party into basically the Labour Party in Great Britain now is a social democratic party for the most part it kowtows to the business people and uh, it, n- it never used to do that in the old days but now it's left the white working class people and they're the people that the BNP is starting to pick up in large numbers now the question from the higher ups in the BNP is this that those people see the threat of the Muslim invasion into Great Britain and the party has made the decision, whether rightly or wrongly, to push that idea out there. When John Tyndall was the uh, former chairman of the party, he he did the middle line. He always made sure that people understood the Jewish that there was a Jewish question in Great Britain by powerful forces in Great Britain called the Board of Deputies of British Jews. Uh-huh. There, there is a Jewish question there. So when John Tyndall was chairman, he always did the middle line. Yes. 
there is a danger of, 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 to our culture of mass immigration with Muslims and even not only Muslims from Africa and, and, and the whole bit. Uh, under the new leadership since Mr. Tyndall passed away, uh, they've said people, the Jewish question is too complicated and people can't, people can't understand it and time's running out so we have to push forward this anti-Muslim um, theme to attract the working to the white working class people. Okay. Obviously, obviously, when the party achieves power in 2020, then um, probably the Jewish question will be opened up for debate. Okay. That that's basically the theme that's going on at the moment. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I I've I don't know a lot about Mr. Tyndall, but what I've uh, and he spells his name T Y N D A D A L E John mm -hmm. Tyndall. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I've learned about him, he seems like a, a very interesting man, and uh, so, someone someone of uh, I, I don't know uh, someone I, I could respect quite yeah. a bit. Yeah. But I don't know a lot about him. I wasn't a white nationalist when he was really on the scene over there. Uh, but um, uh, he, Mr. Tyndall, was he not, in fact, the founder of the BNP? Yeah, he founded the party in 82, yeah. Okay. And uh, he was also someone that was always under the gun of the British uh, establishment, right? Yeah, in fact, uh, Mr. Tyndall, he was active. He's been active until he passed away recently. He was, he's been active since the 1950s in the national struggle over here. Yeah. As I recalled, when he died... Uh, Prematurely, I think sixty-three. Yeah. Uh, he <laughs> he was facing charges from the British authorities. Yeah, he was one of the uh, along with Nick Griffin and Mark Collar, John Tyndall. He was the third person indicted in in the uh, in that race relations again charges. Now let's uh, let's talk about uh, uh, let's talk about um, other white nationalist factions in uh, in Great Britain. Mm -hmm. And uh, Craig, uh, I think maybe later tonight, uh, we're going to probably take a, a, an intermission of a couple hours here uh, and, and start up again at, at 10, 10 p.m. Central Time. Uh, I can't talk that long without, uh, without kind of giving up. Uh, but um, uh, he interviewed Steve Rowland. Do you know who Steve Rowland is? Yeah, I do. Okay, Steve Rowland is the uh, 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 the chief of the National Front. Is that the <laughs> is that the right uh, moniker? Oh, uh, chairman. Chairman. Okay, and uh, and the National Front is uh, uh, did I get it correctly from the interview? It's it's on VNN. Uh, if you go to Vanguard News Network, uh, go VNN dot com, and you go to the Media Index, and you can find Craig Cobb's video interviews, and Steve Rowland of the National Front is interviewed there. Uh, now, the idea behind Americans don't have this concept over here because of our, how our government structured. But the idea behind the National Front is what to to gather together the various factions of, of white nationalism and, uh, or should, I should say, maybe just nationalism in general, and 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 focus their energies in one direction. Is that is that right? Well, in fact, uh, no, that was the primary aim of the National Front when it was founded in 1967. Okay. It brought together uh, all the smaller nationalist groupings under a National Front, it was called, in 1967. Um, due to certain situations after the general election of 1979 when the National Front put up 300 candidates for Parliament, okay. and then Margaret Thatcher came along and gave her swamping speech and that basically pulled the rug out of the What is this? Hold on now. Margaret Thatcher came along and gave a swamping speech? Yeah. What does this mean? What does that mean? Well, basically she pulled the rug out of the national out of totally out of the, the national front but by saying that Great Britain uh, is being swamped by immigrants. Oh, she did she she pulled a false friend. Yeah, yeah. Uh what she did was she uh diffused the right. Mm -hmm. She she diffused the nationalist front. Mm -hmm. They're nationalists by saying, "Hey, I can handle this situation." Yeah, and you don't need to vote for those guys. Vote for me. Exactly. You know, this is this is very interesting, folks, because right now, 
that's what's going on in France. And I just got through reading about this. I can't remember what newspaper I was reading this in. And you have Mr. Sarkozy. Uh, he's, uh, he's one of the, uh, the shills in the French government uh, right now. And he's a Jew, by the way. And he's playing the get tough with the immigrant and immigration theme. And uh, he is uh, a part of, uh, what's the prime minister's name over there? Not Mitterrand. Um Anyway, he's part of the prime minister's government over there. And, uh, and, but then you see, the reason why he's doing this is because who do you have challenging the government? You have Le Pen. And Le Pen, I honestly believe, like the National Front or BNP even, and BPP or whatever in Britain, if they were to get into power, I think they would actually do something. Yep. Uh, to fix the problem, it may not be f- enough for our. In, uh, in a, we may not think it's enough, but they would probably do something. And uh, but anyway, back to France. You have the Sarkozy saying, "I'm going to get tough." The Sarkozy, the Jew in France, saying, <laughs> "I'm going to get tough on the Im- immigrants and elect me, and you don't have to vote for Le Pen." And so my guess is you're saying that that's exactly what Thatcher did, and and, then, and, and to to the National Front. Is that right? That's right, and at that time, Mr. Tyndall, he was chairman of the National Front, and that was, I mean, the National Front had thousands of members at that point. Okay. It was recognized as Britain's third largest party. And then after 16 years of Thatcher, the National Front just withered away a little bit, didn't it? Well, what happened after the 79 election, um, there was a certain amount of... um, involuntary circumspection going on amongst okay. the membership and, and the leadership and Mr. Tyndall said that um, at that time that the chairman of the National Front was just a figurehead he had to answer to the uh, it was called the National Directorate and so Mr. Tyndall uh, asked the party for more power and the National Directorate shot him down so he was forced to um, break from the National Front in 1980 and he formed what was called a pressure group called the New National Front to try and, okay. for- try and force the party to make changes so as in within the next four years and we stopped the Parliament, you know, we could gain some success, you know. But the party w- wasn't amenable t- to the changes that Mr. Tyndall was asking for and okay. his supporters. So after two years of trying that, uh, he was uh, placed in a situation where he had to form the BNP in 82. And all the changes that were planned for the National Front, vis-à-vis organizational structure, are in place in the British National Party. And now the BNP is is now officially recognized as Britain's fourth largest party and growing. Um, Now, another another British group that British nationalist group, I, I believe this one is could truly be considered white nationalist from our perspective, is this group called the BPP. Yeah. Now, how do they fit into all this? The British People's Party are a split from an organization called the White Nationalist Party. Ah. Um, basically, you could term them sm- smaller nationalist parties. The, B- the BPP is fairly new. On the scene, actually. Okay. So the thing is, like, a, only like a, a year old. But it's just a small party of of true, dedicated white nationalists, you know. Yeah. Who do point out the Jewish question. Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that honestly, that helps to resolve a lot of pro- a lot of questions I had about what's going on in Britain. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, the the main difference is uh, if you can get, I think, if you can get over. If you can get a grasp up upon the parliamentary system yeah. in Britain uh, and and how it's different from what we have, I think you can really see you know how it works for very you know over there and uh, you know how how politics you know kind of is work you know how it kind of operates. It's not that different from our own, but you know the problem over here is is that there's and I think it's I think your system to be honest is much better than ours, um, uh, uh, to be honest with you. But um, Your system over there, I mean, it, it, it's a total yeah. lockdown by the Jews for the most part. Two, yeah. two 
megalithic political, political parties, the uh, Democrats and Republicans. Uh, That's it. Yeah. Uh, I, I've come to the private conclusion, uh, James, that uh, politics... That Okay, I've come to the private conclusion that there will be no political avenue for white nationalists. And that is, our movement cannot really uh, succeed through an, uh, an overtly political solution. That is, mm-hmm. what I mean by that is, you know, you, you form a party and you get votes and you, you build up... A, an organization, and, and you elect leaders, and so on. Uh, and <clears throat> I think that the way we, and I think that could, could work in some parts of Europe still, uh, and maybe even Great Britain, for all I know. But uh, I think what's going to have to work over here, James, is we're going to have to overturn the culture. And I was very uh, hopeful about the National Socialist Movement, and the reason. Let me explain myself because. I'm not talking about a personality or a person over there. I was talking about the sort of organization that they had set up. And uh, I'm not talking about the uniforms. I'm talking about the way they pulled people together and, you know, they used... uh, I I think there were some organizational and ideological concepts that worked. And in a very short time, they really got that thing moving. And... You know, I think that we're going to have to come together as whites and start building little cell communities, mm-hmm. and we're going to have to start moving uh, uh, into areas where uh, <coughs> we can uh, raise children together uh, and uh, inculcate our children uh, with our beliefs and our codes, and we're going to have to start uh, living as a productive uh, minority within this country. Uh, and uh, because uh, I think that's the only route. And what I mean by that is we're going to have to, uh, I could see a situation in which we, uh, and, you know, this would be a very decentralized movement, mm. uh, move to small towns or, or, or towns on the edges of big cities, and we just take over the town, more or less, and... Uh, you know, maybe uh, Jews have actually done this in this country, in upstate New York. And, uh, you know, the town is a public town. Anyone can come in and out. But the fact is, most of the people who live there are Jews. And, you know, and so that they control how the water system works. They control uh, the Board of Education. Uh, you know, they control all the local government there. And, and, and so, you know, that's how we preserve ourselves. And we stay out of the larger federal politics, and we just concentrate upon uh, raising our children and breeding and and and, and getting wealth uh, into the community. And uh, you know we can uh, you know like um, if if we live on the edge of a city, we can get a uh, get our own bus, and you know and and everyone you know that has a job can get up in the morning and um, take the bus into town, uh, you know at a railhead or something. And you know, go to our jobs, and you know, we we each have our separate homes and everything like that, right? And we're not we're not living in a in a in a hotel necessarily, you know. We but we just populate a town with our with our own people, and it's not just one town, you know. It could be it's towns all over the country, and you know, and that way we protect ourselves so that if there's some sort of a pogrom against us, mm-hmm. you know, they all, which I can foresee happening in this country very easily. Uh, uh, you know, they, they don't kill all of us. We're not going to, you know, not all white nationalists are going to be in one area. And because, look, if you want to go down the political solution in this country, you got to have billions and billions of dollars. Yep. Because the the two parties right now are a crime syndicate, and, and to get and and to to beat them, you've got to have someone like Bill Gates behind you. Uh, and, e- and even over there, where when you try to run as a white nationalist, either with the Democratic Party or the Republican Party, they won't let you as Mr. Miller found out. Yeah, and and they'll kill you too mm. if they don't if they don't if they don't do what they did to Duke, 
Uh, and, and, and by the way, what Mr. Duke did back in 84 was it he couldn't do now because of the changing demographics. Uh, mm. uh, he, he, would never, he would never even get that close again because there's so many Mexicans and other people down there. But, uh, look, white nationalists are not going to win office in this country, uh, and they're not going to win enough, even if there was a mass movement, to, to mm. affect politics. And you're not going to get you're not going to we're not going to defeat them in the media either, uh, and and so you know you would have to get Gates and Buffett and uh, uh, I don't know what other what other white billionaire we have in this country, you'd have to get you'd have to get all of them behind you with their money no. to build a party, and that's not going to happen, folks. No. And no. and and you know Europe's different than us. I, I think they can go down a different course, but I think we have to really look hard at this and say, hey, look. We've been beaten, and uh, and now it's a matter of raw survival. And how do you survive? Well, you you, you have to join together, and you have to work on a collective basis, uh, and and you know you have to start breeding together, uh, and you've got to start uh, acting like a minority does, uh, an intelligent minority surrounded by surrounded in a hostile environment. You you can see now if you look at the. Uh the white migrationary patterns in the United States, what's going on, it's happening already. Uh, white people are moving to the Pacific Northwest, yeah. they're moving inland. You know, uh, in California, I noticed there's still little pockets of white people like Orange County where it's still yeah. predominantly white people, but even the Mexicans are encroaching there. Yes. And um, as I say, um, all this talk that white people love diversity. I read a report at the, on the Orange County Register online about, and it was a, it was a classic quote, I think someone posted it on the forum, this uh, white family, we're not racists, but needed to move to an American area, an American, com- and, and, and they used the word American community. Yeah. I thought that was very, very interesting. What's interesting, especially the United States, that they're not prepared to take right now. Yeah, yeah, they have too much. They have too much to risk. Mm-hmm. And uh, and of course, you know what, what's really odd about about the debt system you were referring to. Uh, you know, you're referring to the the effect of the sports culture, and 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 you know, I was commenting upon the the uh, the effect that this, this sense of false satisfaction uh, or misleading satisfaction that Americans have. Uh, you know the debt system here is so is so entwined with with life and living in debt is is so commonplace that yeah. people actually believe that it's good to be in debt yeah. and i I speak to people all the time who tell me that uh well you know i I live in debt that being in debt and borrowing is the way to live. <laughs> No, I kid you not, and and that is that that the ability to borrow, uh, it, it, it is it it the, in other words the old idea that we used to have growing up is that you saved your money and that and that you 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 not only save your money but you live within your means, uh, and the new idea is is that you don't have to do that anymore, and that the banking system. Uh, and credit cards uh, will provide you the money you need that you that you can't earn, and the banking system is very uh, eager to reinforce this. And let me tell you why. And and this is something I've read a little bit about uh, in this country. I'm not sure if it if it works the same way in yours. We used to have um, we used to have usury laws in this country, and every state had usury laws. And and what this said was. And what this meant, what this said and what this meant was this, is that banks couldn't lend money to people who couldn't pay it back. Mm-hmm. And so even when I was young, and this is certainly true of my parents' generation, uh, they could hardly get loans. And that uh, if you wanted to buy a house uh, in my parents' generation, uh, what you had to do is you had to borrow from your family or you had to get the owner to finance the loan. And and so uh this way the the population was not enslaved by debt. And uh and so but what the bankers found out uh is that you could they could still profit by lending money to people who couldn't pay it back. And the way that works is and that 
the way that works, the way the formula has been worked out is that uh, you, um, as long as they continue to pay a minimum uh, maintenance on the loan, the bank can still profit. Yep. And so what they've done is what the banking system has done to the population, they've convinced them that, well, being in debt is normal. And that all, and, but in return, all you have to do for never paying your loan back, in other words, you're going to go through your whole life in debt, but uh, for that convenience, uh, you're, just, you're going to have to pay the minimum payment the rest of your life. Over here in Great Britain, the uh, debt is at, the, is at its highest ever in the country's history. Yeah. You know, the more, the more I learn about your country, uh, and I've said this many times, uh, uh, James, uh, I'm, con- I'm absolutely convinced the same group of Jews that lord over our country, that, that run our country, are, are, they're running your country too. Oh, yeah, sure. And, and, and there's, for them, there's no difference between Great Britain and the United States. It's just one of their colonies. And, 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 and what, what, I mean, the thing I can't figure out entirely is who they infiltrated first. And I, and, and I think that they first got control of your country. And, and, and then uh, after World War II, they, they pretty much set up shop here. And uh, and and uh, and and you know I, I I don't know but they've been in your country for a damn long time and uh, I I don't you know uh, I don't know when they declared victory over here it's it's hard to say if it was the 1960s or or, or right after World War II uh, it's it's really hard to say but, uh, but the Jews are, as we all know the Jews are parasites and yeah. they just look for a bloated host to chew on.